Welcome back here again, LA Gridiron Weekly. I hope everybody's enjoying their Saturday. Still a lot to get to. And I promise you someone who can break it all down for me, because trust me, when I need things breaking, broken down, she's always there for me. That's why I go to Twitter. I find out first. And if I need to, I'll hit her up later on. But she's Jordan Rodriguez. She's the beat writer for the Rams for The Athletic. Follow her on Twitter. Like I said, great follow on Twitter at Jordan Rodriguez. So kind enough to join us here on LA Gridiron Weekly. What's up, Jordan? How are we doing? Oh, man, I'm smiling so big right now. That just made my day, Kirk. I'm so glad to be on with you. And uh, this is my favorite show. I listen to you every week. So I'm just really, really excited to be here with you. And I'm excited for training camp to get going. Oh, my goodness. It's about time, right? Yeah, it's about time. Um, <laughs> like, you know, a recent, I've always wondered, you know, because I won't say you're new to Los Angeles. You've been here now almost was a year and a half now, right? About a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. So some of your adventures through Los Angeles, I always find appealing and just meeting the new fan base. So it's always fun to kind of follow you on that journey. And it's like, okay, we're starting to ramp up. We're getting ready for training camp and we're just going to ease right in a training camp, right? We kind of have our little storylines of what we're going to talk about. And then all of a sudden this week, boom, it just hits us. The Cam Akers news and you know, it really hit me as a former player because I know the type of kid he is, and especially so young in his career. But man, when I first got the news, I was just devastated. For you, when you saw the news, just first reactions and then sort of the fallout after it. Yeah. And you know, Kirk, it's I'm so glad you brought that human reaction up too, because that was my first reaction. I mean, and I I cover the team. I'm I'm supposed to, I'm unbiased and I'm supposed to be, you know, just tell, tell people what's going on, but I had to sit down. I mean, that was, that was a gut punch because Cam Akers is a wonderful person. And I spent a lot of time sort of studying behind the scenes, what he was doing with teammates last year in terms of how he was getting to know them better and how Thomas Brown, the running backs coach and the assistant head coach took him under his wing to really develop him into a, like a young man. And, you know, you're coming from college and Kirk, you've been through it, like right. coming from college and you come to LA and, and you're, <laughs> right. you know, you're, your eyes are wide and you're, you're, you know, growing up basically out of, out of school and becoming an adult in your first real job and watching how he took to that. And then the way he treats teammates and the way he treats other people. I mean, and you saw it outpouring of support on social media, for Cam Akers from teammates on either side of the ball. And one thing I do think that um, that that is a blow in terms of we'll get to the on field stuff in a minute. Right. But, but the leadership quotient that he was ready to bring and the way that he talks and gets with his O linemen and talks to them between every snap and lifts them up and fires them up the way that he just kind of is very positive and just really I mean, coaches love him. Teammates love him. Um, media loves him. So it just really was like, I had to sit down. I was like, oh man, say it ain't so. And then I got the confirmation from a source and I just, I was like, oh no, this is just a gut punch. Yeah. Not only it's a gut punch, but it was also doing something that he's doing to you know prepare himself for the season. He's just working out and he hurts himself. And the, the unfortunate part about it was I think Last year, he caught us all by surprise. Remember, he was the week one starter. And we were like, wait, what? We weren't expecting, we knew he would play a lot, but we didn't expect him to be the starter come week one. He started, then he hurt his, uh, had the rib injury in week two. And then he had to, you know, slowly recover from that. And then he, you, know, you just saw him incrementally each week got better and better. 
and he's one of the lead backs. He only had six, I think, six thirty-five in terms of yards last year, mm-hmm. but we knew he could have been a thousand-yard rusher, much more receiving as well. And so I think it was that aspect that really hurt us because he was just scratching the surface on mm-hmm. how good he can be, and it was all taken away. So that was, I think, the next part as you talked about in terms of, you know, where do the Rams go from here? You know, what is that? I mean, what, where do they go from here? How do they kind of replace what they think he was going to be this season? Yeah. So n- not only from a personnel perspective, but I think a little bit schematically too, because mm. we, we know that, and, and you could tell by the way that they shifted their offensive line. So the, you know, moving, especially on the interior to guys who have a little bit more power, um, they were moving to sort of incorporate and Sean McVay has been doing this for a while, you know, that wide zone where everything's stretched way out and you run outside and everything. Well, he's been introducing and, and um, using more and more gap concepts, more power concepts. And Cam Akers is that guy. Like he was, yeah. he was really doing that, especially after Cam Akers sort of started to hit his stride. And, um, you know, with Daryl Henderson, they haven't done a lot of that with Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson has personally done that, but you know, in in terms of the, the carry share and making sure that, um, you know, Daryl could stay healthy through the season and schematically, they're going to follow the same trajectory that they were planning on. I think a lot of that changes behind the scenes and, you know, this is never a good time for something like this to happen ever, but they do have time in training camp and this is why they're not rushing out to sign a veteran. This is why they're not, you know, panicking right now, even though everyone was just devastated by this news, they have to see what they have in Daryl Henderson because he wasn't fully healthy in the spring either. So, you know, they have to make sure that he can um, assume the workload of a lead back and make sure that that carry share, you know, it's over, it's probably over 15 plus per game instead of, you know, kind of the sporadic uh, committee carry share that, that he had last year. Um, and, and still had a little bit of the durability issues, but Daryl Henderson is such a talented player mm-hmm. that if he, if he can stay healthy, I mean, he's explosive, he's versatile, you know, Matthew Stafford wants to get him activated in the passing game as well. Um, and, and I think that, that he could be a really um, great player for them if he can stay on the field. And then behind him, Xavier Jones is someone who I keep saying, everybody needs to keep an eye on. I mean, Aaron Donald shouts him out last year. <laughs> right. Right. Right, Kirk? Like, you yeah, pay attention when that happens. You do. He said, hey, what's that Well, that, that, that number? Was he 30-something kid? Whatever that number is. Yeah, he's yeah, pretty good. That's what he said, yeah. <laughs> and we were like, oh, my goodness. He just shouted out a UDFA, yeah. And so, and obviously, Xavier sticks to the roster and does a lot of the, uh, you know, similar things in terms of explosiveness and, and it has that versatility. Contributed last year solely on special teams, but was ready to come in if they needed him to. Um, but they were really trying to get Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson in, in that rotation. And then Cam Akers, you know, into that development track when he sort of ran away with the, the lead role. So now it's Daryl Henderson and Xavier Jones. And then, you know, I think Jake Funk um, is a little underrated in terms of the ability as well. Um, but they have to figure out what they have. And so, like I said before, they're not going to rush out to sign a veteran. They're not going to sort of, um, you know, see the needle moved a little bit on some of these guys who are free agents right now because they've got a preseason now. They can look at all the other backs who might get cut and see who they can sort of scoop up on that day when everything gets so crazy when teams do cut downs. So, uh, or or not, depending on if right. they like their guys. So um, they're, they're definitely playing it with patience right now, um, despite the, the really pretty terrible news. She's the beat reporter for the athletic, uh, for the Rams beat. So, uh, Jordan Rodriguez joining LA gridiron weekly, man. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask you about was that 
no one talks about it yet. But last year, Malcolm Brown was sort of the elder statesman. He was actually the holdover from St. Louis. And now, you know, he spent the last five seasons here in Los Angeles. But when you think about how the youth of that running back room, there is not a lot of youth. I mean, there, I mean, there's not a lot of experience there. So that's the part that really has me thinking that they have to bring in some sort of veteran presence. I love this youthful group that they do have, these bunch of, uh, you know, young guys. But outside of Daryl Henderson, everybody's in their first and second year. Do they need to go out just to have some stability in that room, you think, Jordan, to get somebody in that room to give them the experience of what just being a running back in the NFL means? You know, I'm kind of of the mindset that um, because Thomas Brown has such control over that room and has such a huge presence in that room as the, as the coach of that room, but also as one of Sean McVay's like closest allies on the, on the coaching staff and someone who he really admires and, and, and listens to when, when he has ideas and things like that. I think that that goes a lot further than maybe when you look at it from the outside, that's not something that you see necessarily. So if, if they don't sign a veteran back to me, that points directly at what Thomas Brown has been able to do in terms of being that mentor, you know, former player himself, right. really young coach, did get the promotion to assistant head coach, but will still have his finger on the pulse and be leading that running backs room as well and coordinating the run game. So I think that that would point maybe more so to what he's been able to do. I mean, the dude's a phenomenal coach and person. Right. And I think the players really took to him last year, especially Cam and Daryl. And, you know, those guys just, he really took those guys under his wing. And it was the hardest year in so many ways for players, especially young players, young men dealing with everything that was happening in terms of the pandemic and getting, you know, keeping their heads afloat and, and absorbing and processing everything that was happening socially in the world around them and talking about it and having these conversations. And Thomas Brown was such a leader in that aspect and someone who I think they really built a bond with. So I think that maybe alleviates some of the need because, because, you know, the Rams have such limited resources right now, right? <laughs> you don't want to sign a guy essentially just for the sake of signing him for, for saying, okay, we're going to plug this veteran in. Right. And, and this is just me being devil's advocate, thinking about how maybe they would be thinking about it when they're discussing it is like, well, what can that guy do for us if he's if we make the argument that he's not going to get very many carries? What what would that guy do for us that Thomas Brown doesn't already have handled as a person? So I think that's kind of maybe the thought process right now, and then we'll see how things go as it continues. But if they don't bring in some uh, veteran guy specifically, I do think it points toward their their faith in Thomas. You know, Jordan, as you're just talking, it just kind of hit me. And the NFL is finalizing these rules. I know they got to get it past the NFLPA, but there doesn't necessarily have to be a guy on the actual 53-man roster with an extended or a expanded practice squad up to 16 guys. They could actually bring in a veteran presence for the practice squad just for guys to be there, watch, and kind of look over the group. So it was something that I would think about, I'll look at as well. She's a Rams beat reporter for The Athletic. Jordan Rock rejoining LA Gridiron Weekly here on 710 ESPN. Okay, minus the Cam Akers news. What is Jordan Rodriguez's biggest headline heading into training camp for the Rams? 
Well, it's not a, it's not really a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a fun it's not, one. It's not a sexy one, but uh, what is it? Come I, on. I, I got to know how this offensive line is going to shake out. Wow. Because this offensive line has not taken live snaps yet. They have not taken snaps and pads. There's two joint practices, as you know, um, yes. coming up with the Cowboys and the Raiders. And th- those guys are not going to mess around. That Cowboys front, like they are not going to mess around against uh-huh. the Rams offensive line. So I think that this is the most important thing. You know, I, I think that Matthew rightfully got all the head headlines, you know, in, in the off season and figuring, figuring out how they're stacking the building blocks of the offense was so important. But in terms of the actual, like what makes or breaks a team <laughs> in, a, in a potential Super Bowl season, the Rams essentially created two question marks with one position change in terms of moving Austin Corbett over to center. And I think Austin is an outstanding offensive lineman, but but I've never seen him play center and he's not played a snap of center in pads in a Rams Jersey. So, you know, you move him and then now from into his spot comes Bobby Evans, who is similar in that he, you know, he has very limited experience in that role at right guard. And so the depth behind both of those guys is a little bit of a concern because at center you have Brian Allen um, as a backup who has not played um, in a healthy way, has not played um, substantial time in the last year and a half, two years, because he's been recovering from a pretty nasty leg injury. And he also kind of fits the profile of the more undersized center that was previously what Sean McVay wanted with, for that wide zone. Right. So now where does he fit in? And then behind him is, is Coleman Shelton, who has never played in a, in a live game. <laughs> so you're basically one ACL away and I'm not jinxing anything. Don't right. nobody, nobody <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> after this. Kirk, you know how it goes. I'm I know like, how it goes. I'm yeah. knocking. I'm literally, you can hear it. I'm knocking on wood right now, but, um, but, but really it's a, it's a huge concern. And, and then getting that sort of cohesiveness and making sure that things are right because you just invested so much capital in the guy at quarterback who you think is going to take you to the next level. Well, it's just as important what's happening right in front of them in terms of that communication, in terms of that playability, in terms of physicality, in terms of just, you know, staying healthy and providing that continuity. So that's the number one thing I'm looking at coming into camp because it will be the first time um, pads on pads that I, I will watch this offensive line actually play. Um, you know, they went through walkthroughs in the spring, but this is the real stuff coming in, coming into it now. Well, look, last question before we let you go, Jordan. Um, great headline, by the way, because I know it's going to be <laughs> something that will continue to evolve. And it's a lot more pieces there instead of what everybody's coming in with the number one headline, which we all know. So I have to ask you one Matthew Stafford question. He does come in. He takes over this offense. What does he need to show early on? Or is it just just wait till the season kind of thing? Or is there something that we can see possibly in training camp that really says, okay, we see the upgrade already. We don't even need to get to the regular season. The Rams are going to be better. You know, what I'm going to be watching, and and I would guarantee, Rams fans, get your popcorn out, because I will guarantee there will be highlight reel plays. I'll guarantee there will be some awesome throws. I mean, that's just who he is. And that's just a natural thing for a quarterback of his level. But what I'm actually watching is how they move in and out of tempo, how he's commanding the huddle, how they um, some, do some of their change of pace stuff, how they work in the red zone. Who is he? Th- who is he starting to favor throwing to? Who is it a wordless communication with in terms of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup putting in so much time with him this offseason on and off the field in terms of trying to establish that sort of wordless, unspoken, I know exactly where you're going to be at all times kind of a mm. thing. 
And that's, that to me is what I'm going to be looking for. And again, it's not, you know, it's not the sexiest thing, but it's also like, what do you do in between the highlight reel moments? And that's how I know how far you're going to be able to take this football team this year. Um, so far, so good. He has a, he has a, as Sean would say, he's got a great way about him. <laughs> right. uh, he, he's, he, com- he commands a room and he's got a very sort of um, like uh, non, you know, he's, he's very like maybe soft-spoken and a, come, you know, comes to guys where they're at instead of trying to, you know, swagger into the room and say, I'm the guy, he kind of meets guys where they're at. And I think that's something that kind of is, is the, the right way to approach this locker room with so many veterans and so many star players. Um, but what are you doing between those highlight reel throws that we know we're going to see? How are you commanding that room? How are you commanding that offense? And how are you collaborating with Sean McVay in that regard? Um, to continue to evolve this thing forward and and maybe go for a maybe go for a run down the stretch here. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, Jordan, I appreciate the time. I know you're a busy person getting ready for a training camp, but also we know the uh, eleven personnel podcast on the Athletics, something that you host. Tell us about it a little bit because I know I'm going to be listening because I'm not going to be able to be at every practice, but I know I'll get my Rams fix listening to the eleven personnel podcast. Tell me about it real quick. Hey, Kirk, I'm so glad you asked because we're going to go back to our weekly schedule here. Uh, Starting Monday, we are going to be recording. um, I'll be in Irvine. I'll be recording from Irvine. So every week we're going to have training camp updates. And it's going to be we're back into regular season mode uh, once I get out to camp with the 11 Personnel podcast. And um, as always, when you subscribe to The Athletic through that podcast, you get a discount and as listeners know, I love a good discount. I'm all about a good discount. <laughs> yes. Yes, <laughs> so, you are. so, um, I appreciate it. And, and thank you so much for having me today. I really love this show and I appreciate you having me on. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. You're always a welcome guest here on LA gridiron weekly. Appreciate the time, Jordan, more LA gridiron weekly coming up next. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Seven six special thanks to uh, Jordan Rodriguez again. That interview, man, outstanding. Uh, I'm all caught up. I'm ready. I just gonna roll up to UC Irvine, hang out, watch the Rams because I am good to go, ready to roll. She gave me all the information I needed. So yeah, I'll be watching the Rams offensive line now. You know what I mean? Some of the positions that we again, she's like she said, it's not a sexy position, but it's one that the Rams gonna be of importance this year with new quarterback Matthew Stafford. And that's been the, obviously the talk of training camp. The Cam Akers injury is something that uh, they'll work through. But this training camp for the Rams, it's all about Matthew Stafford. We are going to watch his every move. We are going to watch his every throw. We're going to watch his leadership skills. This is Sean McVay's guy. And, you know, Sean McVay, again, this week, you know, we had to talk about the Cam Akers news, but he had to talk about his quarterback, which he's done so glowingly. Matthew Stafford. Here's Sean McVay talking again about Matthew Stafford. You know, I, I think what he brings, it's not necessarily what we didn't have, but he brings a, a great wealth of experience, really smart. It, you know, it, if you've been around him, Max, anybody that's spent some time with Matthew Stafford, he's just got a great way about himself, easy, authentic way of connecting with his teammates. And the guy's a baller. I mean, you just watch some of the most difficult parts of playing the quarterback position, I think, are where, are really where he uh, illustrates what a special player he is. And, and we're really excited about being able to play some real football. Yeah, that's it. Sean McVay loves talking about Matthew Stafford. I mean, it is, uh, it is a marriage that 
some say is perfect. That's what Lewis Riddick had to say. He, Lewis Riddick, the ESPN NFL analyst, he talked about that Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay dynamic. There is no question about this. Matthew's going to the place that right now, by all accounts, many people believe that is the perfect fit for him all stylistically from, a, from an offensive standpoint, from a stylistic standpoint, and then culture-wise. He, he's matched up with the perfect guy in Sean McVay, although I have a hard time feeling as though any quarterback wouldn't feel as though Sean McVay is the perfect guy. And Sean isn't the only one who wanted him. Kyle Shanahan wanted him too, which leads me to believe that these two guys really do feel as though Matthew is the perfect fit for that offense. They're all in in L.A. It's Super Bowl or bust for Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams right now. It's Super Bowl or bust. And they both will be adjudged accordingly, both Stafford and Sean McVay, based on the on what the results ultimately are. Yeah, the Super Bowl or bust for the Rams. That's their expectation. But I think Lewis Riddick hit on it right there, that this uh, guy, Matthew Stafford, he wasn't just sought after by the Rams. There were other teams, especially even within the own division. Kyle Shanahan, they wanted to be in on the Matthew Stafford sweepstakes. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes we look at the team that they're on. I mean, that's one of the rebuttals I get so many times from fans uh, and folks about Matthew Stafford. Oh, he played on the Lions. He couldn't get the Lions anywhere. What is he going to do with the Rams? And I'm saying, first of all, and one of my buddies told me this week, whatever happened to me, Matthew Stafford, for some reason, just can't ever have a good running back. That's just not, he doesn't want one. Every time you think that Matthew Stafford's going to have a good running back, something happens, right? With Cam Akers, he goes down, right? Before, remember, he had Reggie Bush for that one good year, and then after that, he goes down. They drafted Kerryon Johnson, he goes down. Baker last year, uh, not, not Baker, uh, DeAndre Swift. Last year, you know what I mean? Like Matthew Stafford's been looking for a running back for a long time, a consistent running back. And he starts his Rams, the second part of his season off or his career with the Rams now off without a number one guy that was envisioned or booked to be the number one tailback for him this year. So always unfortunate, but that's the way the NFL works. So we got some storylines throughout uh, Rams training camp. I can't wait. Next Saturday, we will be broadcasting live from Rams training camp. So no LA Gridiron Weekly next week uh, because we'll be live at Rams camp 4 p.m. Uh, me and my guy, Travis Rogers, all right, host of Travis and Sliwa in the mornings here on 710 ESPN. So we'll get a chance to get down there See what the Rams have going on at UC Irvine. The fans will be out. It'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see everyone and and just the pageantry. Fans will be allowed to come out and watch practice. So um, next week, no L.A. Gridiron Weekly in the morning. We will have a full show at 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. live from Rams training camp. Another storyline, too, for the Rams is their secondary. And that's something that we'll talk about throughout this preseason a lot here um, on L.A. Gridiron Weekly, especially throughout a lot of the preseason preseason games as they get ready for the season. Because remember, the Rams, people don't know. they Obviously, they know that they lost their defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. He's now the head coach for the Chargers. But they lost a really, really influential piece to their defense in terms of the secondary. Not necessarily a player, but Coach Aubie Pleasant. He's now the defensive backs coach and the passing game coordinator for the Detroit Lions. So he takes on a bigger role with the Detroit Lions 
And so that's two key pieces for the Ram that they don't have in 2021. Remember, Troy Hill, uh, he is out this season. He is now with the Cleveland Browns. John Johnson, he is now with the Cleveland Browns. So teams have seen how good this defense was. They've taken a couple pieces away. So you're going to hear some guys, some names, right? The Taylor Rapps, Terrell Burgess, Burgess coming off injury. Taylor Rapp had a bit of injury last year. They'll try to replace John Johnson in that secondary. The Rams, who is going to play the slot cornerback position? We know Jalen Ramsey on one side, Darius Williams. Remember, he's going to be on the other side. He had the first-round tender in terms of the contract. The Rams tendered him a first-round tender, meaning that no team could sign him at all unless they wanted to give up a first-round draft pick. That was not the case. And Dion, I mean, sorry, and Darius Williams will be with the Rams for this season, and we'll see what happens next year when he's an unrestricted free agent. Obviously, the Rams may want to get something done with him as soon as possible. But just a couple names for you guys to look out for. Obviously, David Long Jr., third-year player out of Michigan. They drafted him in the third round. I think this is his coming-out party this year. He'll be one of those guys that this team has to lean on in the secondary. So you'll hear his name a lot, Kareem Orr. Dante Dion, who was a hard knocks favorite last year, the guy with all the energy, he'll be there um, as well. And Robert Rochelle, UCA. Yes, not USA, UCA, University of Central Arkansas. Drafted him as well this year. He's going to be a guy vying for that spot, uh, the star position in their nickel package, which is the slot cornerback. So a lot of moving parts on defense. I feel like the offense has a lot of storylines already, so we'll get to a lot of those throughout the preseason for the Rams. But the guy who can break it all down for me, my guy, the Rams color analyst, radio color analyst, NFL Network analyst as well, my guy, Maurice Jones-Drew. How could I forget? Also, UCLA Hall of Famer, UCLA great, Maurice Jones-Drew. He'll join LA Gridiron Weekly coming up next here on 710 ESPN. Yes, indeed. Back here on LA Gridiron Weekly, man, we go straight to the guest line. A guest who I love having on, he's my boy, longtime friend, but I call him a colleague. But man, he's uh, he's just the best, man. He's MJD, Maurice Jones, Drew Rams color analyst here on the Rams Radio Network, 710 ESPN. Maurice, brother, how are you doing? Training camp is approaching, my friend. How you doing? Listen, Kurt, uh, it's, it's approaching. I've been working out every day. I'm trying to, you know, get skinny. I'm hitting the link like you a little bit before this, this grind starts for me. It starts on Tuesday. I'll be at Rams camp and then for the network. I'll be hitting a, a bunch of other places as well. So, uh, you know how it is. You got to get your good, your, your, your view time in before you start working a little bit. My boys are playing football right now, so we got that. Got a lot going on before this, this training camp hits. Yeah, always. I know you're one of the hardest working guys, not only just the NFL, but just off the field. I know you've been doing a lot of traveling, too, so I can't wait to hear some of these stories of the places you've traveled all across the world, not just this uh, continent that we're on. We're talking about all across the world. So I'll save that for another episode of L.A. Gridiron Weekly. But, you know, the big news happened this week with the Rams. I know we had Jordan Rodriguez on earlier talking about uh, the injury to Cam Akers, but just your first thoughts, MJD, on just this big loss for the Rams offense. Well, you know what? This, this is the thing. And and we always say opportunities are given, not earned in the NFL. And I know it's backwards from what a lot of people say, but it's true. Um, you drafted Daryl Henderson a couple years before or a year before you got Cam Akers. Uh, Cam Akers comes in, has a lights out season. There was so much expectation of him and his team. 
Um, and a lot of the people didn't really count, think about or talk about Daryl Henderson. And so for me, this is an opportunity for Daryl Henderson to go out here and show what he can be. Because we've seen flashes of him go out there and make plays if it's in the passing game or the running game or taking over a game. But then he got hurt. And so this is a chance. He has to stay healthy. He has to produce. And he has an opportunity. He has an opportunity for us to, to see what he really can do. It sucks for Cam Akers, but that injury isn't anything that you can prevent. You know that. If Achilles tears, it tears. It, it, like, it, it, it was going to happen regardless. It was a non-contact injury. That means it was going to happen regardless. So for me, it's uh, uh, just getting, you know, getting these other guys ready and prepared to play. MJD, I mean, does, you know, for, for me, it's an injury that, you know, you, like you mentioned, it could not have been prevented. But when you think about getting ready for the season and trying to, because he's doing something that he's trying to prepare himself for the grind of the NFL season, is it, could that put pause on the way guys work out as they get ready for the season or just, just one of those freak accidents? I think it's one of those freak accidents. You can't allow it to, to put a pause on what you're doing. Right. You can't allow right. it because then if you don't work out the way you're working, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball for the season. It's, it's you're about to play 17 games. Right. Right. This is this is a marathon. It's a marathon. And so just like Nipsey Hussle said, like you got to be able to, to last this whole time. And so mm. if you can't do that, all of a sudden it becomes an issue because now you talk about that second contract for him. He can't perform. So you, it's a thin line, but you have to be able to go out there and perform the way he had, uh, the way he's he's has the last couple of times. He's Maurice Jones, Jew Rams color analyst on the Rams radio network. Also NFL network analyst. You'll see him all across the NFL as the NFL network gets ready for their training camp coverage. And Maurice, look, it's a, uh, it's a young group of pups. You know, I mean, I know you got some young ones and I know you watch Pal patrol, but this is some young pups in that backfield for the Rams outside of, we know, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, you mentioned still a young player in his league, only in year three. And you think about Raymond Calais, Xavier Jones, they just drafted kid Jake Funk out of Maryland. Like, how does this young bunch grow as quick as they should before the season starts? Well, this is the thing. I think the Rams are really excited about what they have, right? They're excited about what's going on. And so they're going to get reps. And that's the only way you grow in this game is by getting reps. And so with those reps, we'll see if those guys can play. Now, I know a lot of people, a lot of agents have reached out to Les Snead once the information came out about Cam Akers about getting a veteran guy in there. But I think they're going to give their guys, the Rams have always given their guys the first look, right? Right. Before finding someone else. So you get an opportunity. I trained with Jake Funk this offseason uh, when he was getting ready for the combine. And I, look, I, you have an opportunity. Yeah, Raymond yeah. Calais, you, you have all these guys that have an opportunity to go out there and be able to make plays. And this is, like I said, you have an opportunity. But like, how are you going to seize it? Are you going to go out there and, and ball out? Or are you going to not do the best and then end up hurting yourself, right? And end up being a special team guy, which is not bad, but you have a chance to be compete for a starting spot. Why not do it? So this is a great opportunity for these young guys to really learn what the NFL is all about. You know, MJD, I do have a question, though, because – does the offense change at all? Because it seems to be with Cam Akers, he was kind of the guy that was the can do everything back. And the offense can definitely, no matter what the personnel grouping, the down and distance, he could always be on the field. Daryl Henderson will now probably enter that spot. But overall, um, like what does, does the offense change without? Not Cam? at all. Nope, not at all. Uh, Daryl Henderson did the exact same thing. Let's remember the Philadelphia Eagles game last year in Philly. Cam Akers goes out with a rib injury. Daryl Henderson steps up, makes some huge catches and some big time runs, scored a couple of touchdowns, and he got hurt the next week, right? Right. Uh-huh. So 
you just got to make sure you keep him healthy. He has the ability. We saw him at Memphis do it. We've seen a, a couple of years here at the Rams flash and do it. He just has to be more consistent. Um, I think the offense changes because not because of the running game It's changed because of Matthew Stafford. Right. I think because of Matthew Stafford, they may throw the ball a little bit more because obviously he has a more lively arm. He's been around. He has the experience. So you may see that. But to me, it's again, it's, it's, it's less about the running backs in this situation. Uh, of the ability of the running backs. It's more about the, the availability of the running backs and your quarterback that's going to kind of change the way this offense looks. Yeah, just a couple more minutes here with Maurice Jones-Drew, the Rams color analyst on 710 ESPN for the Rams radio network. Um, as much as everybody's excited about this Rams season, um, we're all excited about Matthew Stafford. I think he's a team that, F, that definitely, I think, uh, is at the top of the NFC West, maybe even the NFC, along with Obviously, the Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But as you prepare, like you mentioned, to come out to training camp, what's what What do you want to see? What do you want to see from this group early on in training camp that gives you the uh, confidence that they're ready for 2021? Well, you got some big you have some big shoes to fill, um, not necessarily offense, but defensively. You lost Troy Hill was a huge. Yes. You lost John Johnson, which was huge. So how do you how are you going to replace those guys? One. Um, offensive line wise, how is that going to pan out? We've seen you lost, um, we you lost uh, Austin Blythe, right? Who was mm-hmm. the center and had made all the calls. How, how are you going to make those? And you have a new quarterback, a new communication skill. Andrew Whitworth is getting up there. So how are you going to make all these things work? I think to me, it's you have the big like Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd. Those guys are going to be there. Obviously, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. How those guys are going to be there? Tyler Higby. But it's more about replacing the guys. How are you going to replace it? Is Terrell Burgess back healthy, right? Can he step right. in that role for um, your, 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 your safety that just went to Cleveland or, or who's going to play the nickel now? Who's going to step in that role as the nickel and be able to make the plays that Troy Hill played? But let's remember, Troy Hill won like three or four games last year. Correct. He beat, yeah. he, he tied, he had them up against the Niners with the fumble recovery, right? So he was a playmaker and now Cleveland has him. So you have to make sure that you, you can replace those guys necessarily not, not make the plays that they made, but be able to be, um, you know, a guy that, that doesn't give up a lot, right? I'd rather you not give up a lot and be solid than than to have a guy that's aggressive and make a ton of mistakes. So this this training camp is going to be huge for the Rams' defense. And then offensively, again, it's just the offensive line. How, is it, how are they going to mesh? How are they going to work well with uh, Matthew Stafford? And then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, we'll let you go. I know you uh, got a tea time coming up, man. So I'll let you get back to swinging the sticks. I already swung some this morning already. And uh, yeah, we're not going to talk about my golf game right now. We'll talk about that on a later episode here. It's, hey, real quick. It's <laughs> never about the game. It's just about the four hours you get to go out there and just get some meat. <laughs> You're right about that. Yeah. The, uh, I don't have to worry about screaming kids, right? <laughs> it's like it's four oh. times. Just leave me alone. But I do want to get into one, one last question before I get you out of here. I know you had an uh, amazing travel offseason. Uh, just give me just a the quick 30-second uh, spiel on the MJD traveling around the world. Where did you go quickly, and, and what should people go and visit? Well, first of all, that wasn't me. That was Indiana Jones Drew. Oh, okay. Stop <laughs> living his best life. All right. Um, I would say this. I just just get on a flight and go. I think that for me, I I was always terrified of traveling for whatever reason. And I I went to Europe a, a little bit ago. Uh, this past trip, I went to Africa. I saw Egypt all through Egypt. Went to Turkey and Dubai, and it was 130 degrees outside. But it was amazing seeing things that were built 6,000 years ago. Uh, being be able to walk the path of some of the greats that have, have blessed our planet. So. 
to me, it's just, it's always about tr- like just ex- learning new things, experiencing new things. I mean, I, I listen, we'll have to do a trip. Me and you yeah. would do a trip yes. and uh, we'll, we'll, I'll bring, cause you know, Indiana, once we cross these, uh, the States, once we get out of the States, Indiana Jones drew comes out and he wants to go to like the temple of Karnak and he wants to do all these crazy fine mummies and stuff. And okay. it is crazy. It was in the middle of the night, all type of crazy stuff. So I got pictures for you when I see you here in the next couple of days. Sounds good. So Indiana Jones drew will unite with captain Kirk of the star Trek enterprise. And we'll go on a trip. There we go. We got it set, man. All right, bro. Appreciate you. I'll see up later. All right. Appreciate it. That was Maurice Jones-Drew, Rams radio color analyst, also NFL Network analyst. You can see him on the NFL Network's coverage of training camp live coming up as training camps will open around the National Football League all this week. More L.A. Gridiron Weekly coming up next. Yeah, L.A. Gridiron Weekly, 710 ESPN, 877-710 ESPN, 877-710 3776. That is the phone number. Expansion in college football. We talked about it a little bit. I hit on it just a little bit. Kind of want to put something in perspective for you guys. Here was uh, Heather Dinich. Okay. She's the ESPN NCAA senior writer talking about what I spoke about earlier Texas, Oklahoma, SEC. Here's Heather Dinich. I've spoken with sources across the country in Power Five leagues, and nobody knows for sure if this is actually going to happen. Remember, it's the university presidents in the SEC. 11 of the 14 would have to agree to extend the invitation. Now, I've also talked with other decision makers in the country, and they have told me that while they are not sure if it will happen, they have to prepare for the possibility that it will. Because if it does, they've seen it before in realignment, and it turns into the survival of the fittest. Remember the Big East? Exactly. Doesn't exist anymore. So if this were to happen and Oklahoma and Texas were to join the SEC, then it would probably lead to the dissemination of the Big 12. It would be a mad scramble for everybody else to get the rest of those teams. But Greeny, I would tell you that it would not surprise me if Oklahoma and Texas also reach out to the Pac-12 to explore those opportunities as well. So I think this is the start of a long conversation, and it could certainly be the first domino in a major shift in college football if it does happen that was heather denich espn ncaa senior writer and that's what she talked about could we see an extension i mean a an invitation by the pac-12 to texas oklahoma and some of those big 12 schools with this information coming out this week that OU and Texas are seeking an invitation to the SEC. So that is going to be something that I'm trying to keep my eyes uh, on uh, a lot because it does affect USC, UCLA. Think about it. If we could get an USC-Oklahoma matchup every year on the books on the same side of the, uh, of the division, because you can't put Oklahoma in the Pac-12 North, but if you put them in the Pac-12 South – you talk about Oklahoma, USC every single year. Sign me up. Excuse me. Yeah, let me see that pin. I want to sign me up for that. I'm at that game every single year if possible. So that's going to be something I can't wait to look for forward to. We'll see how it all plays out. Let's get to the phone lines to 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Let's go to uh, Steve. Steve, you're on LA Gridiron Weekly. What's going on, Steve? 
Hey, Captain Kirk, buddy. Hey, listen, I remember I talked to you about a month ago how I was dishing on the SEC and yeah. Sankey disrespected the. Well, anyways, <laughs> the fact that these guys, Kirk, that had been undermining for six months, I told your. Uh, uh, the guy, the the guy yeah. who does the call, uh, that uh, the Pac-12 immediately bring in Oklahoma. This is resuming that Texas and and Oklahoma decide to go to the SEC. Let them go ahead, but immediately extend to Oklahoma State and TCU. You get the Fort Worth Dallas market with TCU, and then you bring in two basketball blue bloods, Kansas and Baylor. You then take the original Pac-8. Kirk, and you call it the Pacific Division, and then you stick Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, with Baylor, Kansas, TCU, and you call that the Mountain Division, and now you have 16, even without Texas and Oklahoma. Mm. I'm right there with you. Appreciate the phone call, Steve. Yeah, I think the expansion will work for the Pac-12. They got a new um, you know, commissioner as well, George Klykoff. Um, He's trying to expand. I know the Pac-12 and their media rights deals – Things like that, you know, the Pac-12 network, probably people thought it was going to be more of a lucrative concept. It was not. So to me, th- this is a no-brainer. I think when I hear expansion for, uh, you know, Oklahoma and Texas going over to the SEC, obviously the SEC is going to win in all of this. But I think maybe another winner could be the Pac-12. The Pac-12, I think, will be a huge winner. Because I don't see the Baylors and the TCUs, the teams that he just mentioned, Oklahoma State, you know what I mean? I don't see, you know, those schools trying to sign up to go to the Big 12, I mean, to the, to the Big 10. I think they would love to have sort of a regional aspect to the Pac-12. A regional aspect to the Pac-12 where everyone's in their one division, everyone's over on their division. It's, to me, I think this can work. It will work. The only thing about it is that there's so much speculation. There's a lot of rumors. There's some that's saying this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Well, it all can't happen for a while. It just can't happen overnight. And does this linger? Will this be the conversation throughout the year? So this is going to be a fun, fun information or, um, I guess, piece of information that we have to follow for, um, for, for some time, really, because it's not going to happen tomorrow. I know people think it's going to happen, but it's just not going to happen tomorrow. So we'll find out uh, more. I think we got a couple more phone calls there. Let's go to, uh, I believe, Mitch. Mitch is on. What's going on, Mitch? Welcome to L.A. Gridiron Weekly. How's it going, Curry? Good show. Let's yeah, talk good. to him. I, I say Keaton Slovis is going to have a good year because he's going to have two wide receivers. They'll be, they're going to leave, and they'll be first-round draft, especially Drake London and, and Brew. But uh, with yeah. this with this uh, college breakup, they can't let this happen. I mean, let's make it as Pac-14, bring in the cupcakes the way Alabama has in their division, right? A couple of cupcakes. Um, or the rest of these teams will be independent. Or you can't take all, you know, 12. But what's the logic for Texas and Oklahoma doing it? I know it's money. They're not going to beat. They don't have the talent to beat Alabama and Clemson. They should stay where they are. I mean, you see the quarterbacks that Alabama yeah, Clemson have, but, but, but the I'll ones tell that, you this, the quarterback that USC uh, got away, you know, the big yeah. white whale, the big one. But Mitch, yeah, let me DJ tell you this, though, yeah, and, uh, DJ Uy- Uy- Yeah, but I would say this, though, Mitch, and I was at Texas A&M when they first got to the SEC. I was there on a training camp, fall camp tour, and I remember, you know, talking with Kevin Sumlin, who was the head coach there. And I remember Kevin Sumlin told me something that I'll never forget. I said, why is Texas A&M, a school in Texas, 
why did you guys want to go to the SEC? He says, well, the SEC welcomed us, and it's been the best thing for our program. I tell a kid, you're going to play in the premier conference in all of football. Honestly, the SEC is one step down from the NFL, let's be honest, in terms of eyeballs. I can walk into any child's locker room and say, hey, you want to go play in the SEC? And the kid's like, you darn right I do. So I get that part. Now you add an Oklahoma and a Texas, and you can tell every recruit in the state of Texas, you don't have to go to the SEC. We'll play Bama. We'll play LSU. We'll play Georgia. We'll play Florida. Trust me, Oklahoma and Texas now who already dominate in recruiting, and now they get to dominate some of the SEC. They can now go into the backyard of the SEC and say, hey, if you don't want to go there, you can still come play here. You can come play here and name, image, and likeness. You can make a lot of money playing here at our university. So, yes, I think this is going to be a good thing whenever it does happen. College football realignment is going to be fun. It is going to be something I truly believe will be, uh, I think, take college football back to when it was just fun, right? When it was just about uh, you know, truly making this thing a playoff, an expansion of the playoffs. I really believe that college football is going to somewhere that we have never seen before. And look, I am all for it. I truly am. I truly am all for it as we uh, get ready for fall camp, UCLA, USC, I uh, can't wait for uh, for fall camps to go because I'll be in Rams. I'll be, I'm going to everybody's camp, so I can't wait, man. Let's get to that two-minute drill. It's time for the two-minute drill on L.A. Gridiron Weekly. So two things here on the two-minute drill this week. Number one, um, Rams training camp. Chargers training champ starts this week. So make sure everybody find out the days that you're available to go or, or days that fans are available to go. UC Irvine, uh, Hogue Medical Center Complex over there in, uh, in, in Costa Mesa for the Chargers. So that's going to be a fun piece. I cannot wait. I told you I will be there. And so hopefully I get a chance to meet some of you people. So I'll tweet it out. Make sure that we can, if you want to come say hello, we talk some football. I'll be available. Um, the one thing this week, so we saw my guy, Jason of Beverly Hills. I want to give him a shout-out. Jason of Beverly Hills right here in Los Angeles. He made the Lakers championship ring. I thought he could not make a better ring because of had the, you know, the Kobe insignia on there, you know, had the Lakers championship, championship banner number 17, like all the things that were wrapped up into it until I saw what he did this week. Oh, my goodness. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers ring, first of all, the most expensive ring of all time, it trumps the Lakers ring. And it has this big, huge, all these diamonds in there. I mean, you got to just go Google the ring for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then when they open it up, it actually has the Raymond James Stadium inside of the actual ring. Topping everybody. Just go Google it. Go watch it. Unbelievable, man. Wow. That's what I have for you for the two-minute warning. Special thanks again to Jordan Rodriguez of the Athletic Rams Beat Reporter. My guy, Maurice Jones-Drew, stopped by as well. Special thanks to Steve Pallette. Jesse Lopez, our producer. I've been Kirk Morrison. This has been LA Gridiron Weekly.